Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is it. Episode number 222 of the Artificial Turf Wars, where we're going to pack 162 games of fun into just a 60-minute program. I am your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined by the ever-present Joshua Housem. Josh, how you doing? Well, it's Tuesday now, so it's better than if we recorded this on Sunday. (laughs) It's good to have a little space. We actually, we had to delay the recording because of real life reasons. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, that happens every once in a while. Uh, but here we are, we have arrived with many, many accomplishments of the 2021 Toronto Blue Jays. I think probably more accomplishments than I was expecting. So we're going to run those down for you. And then we're going to ask big, difficult questions. And then we're going to look at the future. And of course we have your questions about the future because there's a lot of that, uh, uh, undiscovered country out in front of us uh, and then we do have a gold star we have a gold star for the blue jays shortstop Bo freaking bichette um who i i hope is here for a long long time because he seems like a great player and a fun guy um yeah we we shall begin with the highlights i think this this season had a lot of incredible uh numbers put up by the blue jays we should start, I think, with the offensive side. Um, as much as I love Vlad Jr., why why don't we go with Marcus Semien? Because Marcus Semien has to be the best single season free agent contract the Blue Jays have ever signed, bar nothing. Well, <laughs> it's him or the pitcher we're going to talk about soon. But... <laughs> <laughs> Two of them. But anyway, yeah, I mean, Semien, he did everything he could to drag the Blue Jays into contention and into the end of the season to try to get them into that last playoff spot. Just what a monster year he had. 45 home runs, 115 runs, 102 RBI, 15 stolen bases, 873 OPS overall, and he played fantastic defense at second base. The guy's going to be in the top three of MVP voting. And I can't really see an argument against it. No, um, which is crazy because he might not be ahead of, um, (laughs) ahead of another guy on the same team, uh, which is remarkable in and of itself. Um, so the, the one I wanted to highlight there was those 45 home runs are in fact the most ever hit by a person playing more than I believe it was 50% of his games at second base. Yeah, that's pretty darn good. Just 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 an all-time 
positional record there. No problem. Yeah, yeah, that, it's, it's not a big deal. You just did the best ever. <laughs> oh, man. Now, they did ask Marcus Semien, you know, if he'd be interested in coming back. I believe it was Semien, and he was like, he listed off all the things going for the Blue Jays, basically. He said, I had great fun here, and who wouldn't want to be a part of that? Uh, I'm sure he wants to be a part of that for about $150 million. But, um, I mean, then George Springer and him would have something in common, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, well, we'll get to the free agency stuff yeah. in a bit. Uh, but uh, he just, he's earned a big payday with what he did and what he did in 2019 and what he did for the second half, oh, well, half, the second month of 2020 in the postseason. Yeah, absolutely. He just, yeah, he, he just, uh, you know, there was questions, right? What is what is the real Semyon? Because you go Semyon's OPS by OPS plus from 2014 to 2018, it was in the mid, mid to upper 90s. 2019, 139. 2020, 89. <laughs> 2019 looked like the outlier. Yeah. 2021, but, 133. Yeah. So, and, as a middle infielder, uh, that's awesome. And I would say that it, it appears that Marcus Simeon has, you know, figured it out, whatever it is. Uh, so I would expect him to put up more years of that very definitely 100 plus OPS. Um, how many more years? Mm, well, that's a, that's a question for a different day. He put up this year here in Toronto. He bet on himself and it paid off. And I congratulate him for obviously a lot of hard work that he put in to make that happen. And one thing that we shouldn't be overlooked, he played every single game. Oh, really? And I that, forgot. <laughs> Yeah, 162 games, and this was he started 162 games. He did not, you know, it's like some guys that like for example, last year Vlad played all 60 games, but he had three games where he came in as a pinch hitter. That's not what happened here. Yep. And you can't really overstate how valuable that is, especially when he was the backup shortstop at the same time as being the star second baseman. Yeah, uh, it is. It is tough to lay enough at at Marcus Semien's feet at this point. So hopefully. Um, yeah, the, the award voters uh, recognize that, uh, the Shohei Otane of the world notwithstanding. Um, the, but let's, let us move to the guy who might finish ahead of him in the MVP voting, and rightly so, 1,000-plus uh, OPS, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who is the ripe old age of 22. And I was wrong, actually. He, he finished one game. He came in in the seventh inning. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, all the nice things and crazy things we said about Semyon, he was not close to Vladimir Guerrero's offensive equal. <laughs> yeah, the only reason we're discussing them in the MVP discussion is because Semyon can play defensive second base very well, and Vlad is over there at first. Um, otherwise, this you know this would be far and away Vlad's Vlad's um, victory lap here. Um, the forty-eight home runs he finished with. Which is, uh, while we're going for all time, the most home runs by any player twenty-two or, or in his age 22 season or younger. I believe Eddie Matthews was the one he passed um, to do that. So once again, if you look in the record books for you know young players and home runs, Vlad Jr. Uh, will be there for you know the foreseeable future. Not that he had a lot of gaps in his game. He, for the, you know, he, he, he got on base a lot he hit for power all the time he did not strike out much like what what else do you want out of your star sec, uh, star first baseman you can't really think of anything randall gritchick struck out more times in 150 fewer plate appearances <laughs> I, and randall gritchick doesn't strike out a crazy amount he just strikes out enough no i mean just like he'd run, run down the line again he hit 311 401 on base and a 601 slugging. That's a 1.002 OPS. 48 bombs, 111 driven in, 123 runs, 29 doubles. The doubles count is actually a little low because he hits the ball so hard <laughs> that his balls turn in, his liners off the fence turn into singles. But I think in order to really discuss how incredible this year was and how magical it was, you kind of have to put it in the context of what he had done in the big leagues to this point. 
coming into this season, there was a lot of what is Vlad really going to be. Now, on this podcast, we kind of dismissed that talk because the guy was freaking 21. <laughs> and he'd been an above-average major league hitter at age 21. He was probably going to reach something like what we thought he was going to reach. I don't know that anybody thought he would do it right away. Yeah, it was very much like a switch was flipped. Um, and I think that does have to do with his conditioning. I think yep. coming into the season in better shape, um, ready to go, uh, and, and having lost all of that weight that he was, was carrying around and, and was, you know, slowing him down, not just in his running, but slowing him down, I think, from, you know, place to place, I think made a huge difference. And, and I think seeing that difference in results is going to probably keep him motivated to stay in that kind of condition. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, you can't, it can't not do that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, he even said right away at the beginning of the season that his felt his hands got through the zone quicker. And Vlad has some of the fastest hands in the game. When they're getting through quicker, you know it's going to be dangerous for opposing pitchers and showed up with the numbers. He led the major leagues in home runs, tied with Salvador Perez, and he led the major leagues in runs. He just, didn't win the triple crown because there were other people who had really good seasons, but these are all numbers that could have led the league in their categories. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and if you take Semyon and Vlad Jr. together, uh, they become only the sixth pair of teammates, you said, to hit 45 or more home runs each in the same together in the same season. Yep. It's not a common feat. No. I mean, it was good. Yeah, it was pulled off by these two guys. And if you had said that it was going to be any two Blue Jays, you'd probably said, oh, it's Vlad and Teoscar or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Nope. And it, nope. The second baseman, um, which, of course, those two guys lead this team forward into hitting more home runs than any Blue Jays team has ever hit, which they, I believe it was Danny Jansen's home run that broke the... Uh, that broke the record the day the day before the end of the season, and then since they were facing Baltimore, they just kept raining home runs down the following day. <laughs> um, so yeah, another team record, another one for the books. Uh, all of those those um, those records lead to a lot of runs driven in. How many one hundred RBI play? Not that I love RBIs, but how many one hundred RBI hitters did the Blue Jays have? Four. Four. Four hundred. I, I bet you there are times when the Blue Jays struggled to score 500 runs. <laughs> and they also had two more guys who had 80. This was a just a dynamite offense when it was rolling. And by, and by the way, none of these players was George Springer. <laughs> yeah. George Springer didn't stay on the field long enough to be any of these guys. Um, though when he was on the field, he was on pace, like he kept pace with these, all of these numbers. Oh yeah. I mean, if he'd played 160 games, you're looking at a pace that would lead to 40 home runs, hundred RBI, would be right there with those other guys. And the fact that they did this well with him playing 78 games, it just shows that the depth and prowess of this lineup that, you know, and how tough it would have been to face them at any time. And then just... Because we've talked about the offense enough, I think. If I missed an offensive accomplishment? There's one. Okay. This is like really hashtag baseball stats, but there has only been one other team in history that had two players hit 40 home runs, one player hit 30, and another four of them hit 20. So there was the 2021 Blue Jays and the 2000 Blue Jays. They're the only teams in baseball history to have done that. I do kind of like our home ballpark, even though they didn't play in that ballpark all year. I feel like that's <laughs> a factor. Uh, so then we, I guess, we flip to the pitching side of the ball, which, shockingly, the Blue Jays ended up with a, a guy, presumptively the Cy Young winner, who is not named Hyunjin Ryu. I mean, if we can get to Ryu in a minute, in a bit, but who, so... Before the season, you could go back and listen to our podcasts from the winter. I was very bullish on Robbie Ray. I thought he was a very good signing because he had been successful in the major leagues before. I thought that he, for what he was, he was going to provide positive value. I wasn't even close to expecting <laughs> what he actually gave the Blue Jays. 
Well, we, we talked about the most important player on this team at the beginning of the season, and we both agreed that Hyunjin Ryu had to be the guy you needed to talk about to come through for them. And it turned out we were also way off base with that because the guy you needed every day, every five days out there was Robbie, man, those pants are tight, Ray, and his absolute turnaround in in walking or rather not walking people anymore and also not being particularly susceptible to the home run in the second half right up until that last game yeah we'll get to that one in a bit but... <laughs> so robbie ray set career highs in games started he tied that he'd, he'd done that before once era career low technically innings pitched strikeouts walk rate and whip so everything. <laughs> he led the league in ERA starts, innings pitched, strikeouts, and whip. If you were going to say Robbie Ray was going to lead in it, lead the league in any of those, it would be strikeouts, and that's the only one you would ever predict. And even then, because he, you know, his career high in innings was 174, you still wouldn't think it would lead the league. But he just took the ball every single day, and because he cut his walk rate from what to that point in his career had been what you would call bad. <laughs> it was 4.3 per nine. Yep. He cut that all the way down to 2.4, which allowed him to get deep in games and reach the rest of these milestones. Yeah. It, it was the, the perfect kind of improvement from, again, we go back to this, a one-year contract. For $8 million. $8 mil I feel like I would like to take up a collection for Robbie Ray. Well, I, I think he's going to make up for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got to talk about that in a couple of minutes. Uh, is, are there any other accomplishments to highlight, though, in, in this season? Um, I think that there's a couple that are less heralded. Santiago Espinal hit 311 with a 376 on base and 405 slugging because he has no power, but that's tremendous considering how solid he is defensively and really where the Jays were with that third base position. I, I just think that in this podcast where we're talking, we're, we're not going to go depth in depth on every single player because we have, you know, our next one next week where we go through all the awards and all that, or in two weeks, whenever we do that, I just wanted to highlight him now because he was so good down the stretch and it's a shame that he got hurt early part of that in the early part of September because he really might have made a difference over playing Bravik Valera and Jake Lamb. Yeah, and you have to you have to remember that when you look up and down the Blue Jays lineup and you see a bunch of guys almost hitting 300, that's a huge outlier in this league. This league hits around like 250. So 311 from Espinal is amazing. Yeah. As is the 376 on base percentage. Uh the other fun fact that's not a record, well, I, I heard it described as a record, but fun fact, the Blue Jays did not have a losing month. So when we are about to point fingers, which I think we are about to point fingers, um, at, at how they ended up uh, the subject of a retrospective before we played any playoff games, um, the, you know, the lack of a losing month, um, oh, wait a minute, uh, maybe I should not, jump too far ahead of that alec manoa <laughs> he's so big and we almost forgot him <laughs> you know you mentioned that ryu thing right and the importance of hyunjin ryu that was because going into the season the rotation was ryu ray matt stripling and tanner roark yeah yeah and there's this idea that like if the jays we're going to get things done. Ryu was going to have to throw 200 innings of two and a half ERA ball. And, you know, Ray, Ray basically did that. But part of the reason that Ryu still didn't have to do it was that Matz was good, but that they called up Alec Manoa in May and he was great. Yeah. Consistently great when he wasn't getting thrown out of games. <laughs> yeah. Well, he wasn't doing great that well in that game anyway. So, yeah, but I mean, his final line... 127 strikeouts in 111 innings across 20 starts and a 3-2-2 ERA. I mean, that's 
really, really quite good. Even for a non-rookie, that's those are really good numbers. But for the first time through pitching in the AL East, it's... he had 35 professional innings under his belt prior to this season. Yeah, <laughs> it's a ridiculous number to show up and post a sub three and a half ERA in the AL East. Just ridiculous. And to be a guy that you wanted taking the ball every time down the stretch. He had that one stinker against Oakland where the Jays, that's the one where the Jays came back with the grand slam by Gurriel on the walk-off by Semyon. But from the middle of August to the end, that was the only time he gave up more than three runs and he only gave up three runs once against the Yankees. So he, um, he just stepped up and really carried them towards the end. Yeah. Here's the fun one. The Jays only lost four times in his 20 starts. That's why I, I, I was so chill whenever he took them out. <laughs> That's a Manoa start. It'll probably work out. Even if it doesn't work out for him specifically. I just feel like it'll probably work out. Did, 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 yeah. Was he the starter in that game where they scored a billion runs in the seventh? In the seventh? It, yeah, against the, Baltimore? Yeah, against Baltimore. No. Okay. That would have been hilarious. No, he, he didn't pitch in that series. Um, that was, yeah. That was uh, Ryu, I think, actually. Okay. Oh, no, it was Thomas Hatch. Hatch. Thomas Hatch started that game. Uh, so, yes, the Blue Jays did not have a losing month in this season. And I always find it funny because um, it's an easy thing to do when you do a postmortem to point to the losing month and go, oh, what went wrong in the June swoon or whatever else. You cannot do that with this Blue Jays team. We are going to have to point fingers somewhere else. And fingers we shall point, because the Blue Jays won 91 games, were up a game in the wild card standings with a week to go, and are on the outside looking in. What, what happened, Josh? Good question. <laughs> well, part of it, I think, is the Tampa Bay Rays happened. And mm -hmm. The Rays attacked the Blue Jays differently than every other pitch, pitching staff in the league. The Jays are a fastball hunting, first pitch swinging team. The Rays, to exploit that, throw them a whole bunch of first pitch fastballs that are not in the strike zone or just on the edges of the strike zone. And so they get these first pitch outs, second pitch outs that normally they would not. And I think that messed them up for the next couple series. And that happened and they didn't really do damage against the Minnesota Twins and then the New York Yankees in the last two series heading into that Baltimore one and by that point it ended up it turns out it was over yeah I think I think it's very much it is um, it is a symptom of what happened earlier in the season that things were so close in the first place right that they had a bullpen that spent a sure. good month not being able to hold leads but once you have your destiny in your hands. If we can win these games against Minnesota, a losing team, and against New York, a team we've already beat more often than we've lost to them, and Baltimore, a team we should sweep. If we can do all of that, um, I think I think you have to lay it at, at the feet of, of the Blue Jays for you know not being able to find a way. At the same time, the Yankees are the Yankees and are not going to get swept without ever holding a lead two series in a row, I don't think. No. I don't think that'd be a lot to ask. Winning the series against the Yankees, though, I and mean, <clears throat> look, the Yankees are a great team. They're, you know, they're not, okay, they're not a they're not a flawless team, but they're a very good team. But you have to beat them. If you want to get in over them in the postseason, you gotta beat them to get in. And they had done it earlier in the season, but they didn't do it then when it counted the most. And this is the Robbie Ray thing that you alluded to in the first bit that he he was just absolutely dominating for five innings. And then he completely fell apart in the sixth. He gave up three bombs and a walk. And that sunk the Blue Jays season. And now I think that the last one was, I can't believe he was allowed to pitch to Glaber Torres considering he'd given up two home runs and a walk already. But, you know, that was a game they had to win and they did not. But I, I you know, do think it... I think it's interesting that we we talked about that first game as a coin flip uh, uh, with uh, Tyon and uh, I believe Ryu starting, um, yep. and that coin flip went the Yankees' way, and then the other two games ended the opposite way of what we had predicted because Cole gave up five runs in about five innings, 
And Robbie Ray gave up about five runs in six innings, or like five plus. And it was like, oh, uh, neither team counted on its its Cy Young candidate ace at the, that moment when uh, it most counted. I, the irony of that stands out to me. Yeah. No, it was <laughs> really silly. No. <clears throat> they still had a shot. They were all they needed was for Washington to win a game against the Red Sox. And Washington was leading in the seventh in two of the three games. Yep. Did not help. No. No. But as you alluded to a minute ago as well, the to really lay the blame. I mean, again, they won 91 games, right? That's still fantastic. But yes. to lay the blame at them not making the postseason, it really goes back to, as you mentioned, those early games where they blew those leads. They had that one series against New York in New York where they held the lead in the seventh in every game of the series and lost every game. And I believe they also got, was it swept by Tampa on their way out of Dunedin? Four-game sweep where the J where the Rays scored the go-ahead run or the winning run in the seventh inning or later in each game. So that's eight game. Seven. Seven games. A three-gamer and a four-gamer. I'm only asking you to win two of those. <laughs> right? As a as a fan, I'm asking for two back. And the Blue Jays are in the playoffs right now in the wildcard game. Yep. And then that first game against the Mets. Two where they they were winning three to one, I think it was, and then Rucky gave up a two run homer, and then Barnes gave up two runs, and you know, but the fact that Jacob Barnes was pitching in leverage tells you all that you need to know about the state of the bullpen in the middle of the season. They really righted the ship by getting Simber and Meza, and by getting Barrios because he's because Barrios took a lot of pressure off the fifth and sixth innings of the bullpen because he was going six seven every single time. But yeah. that was that was the Achilles heel of this team. The offense disappeared at times, but that's just going to happen to every team. And look, look at the Yankees. Their offense was nowhere for most of September. But the bullpen was bad. And the offense didn't dominate the way it could at times, too. James G., who we reference all the time on this, he just should just be, like, officially listed on our podcast Twitter page. <laughs> we'll, we'll put we'll, out a tweet. We'll put him in for or, half salary, which, well, you know... <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if he'd stay on very long. Uh, our salary of zero? Yes. That, um... <laughs> so he put out a stat that looked at all of the seventh inning or laters. The biggest ones that the Jays got, the one that Jays got killed on was actually when they enter the seventh inning tied, which was a combination of the offense not burying teams late or doing enough to get over the hump and then the bullpen being bad because the Jays were not very good in the late innings on offense. Yeah, I mean, and again, they course corrected, but they course corrected later in the season where things seemed to be, not that they got good at it, but they, they seemed to be doing average, you know, at in those last three innings in August and September. Um, yeah, I, I think the next question is... Um, do we quickly look ahead? Not that we have the ability to predict the future here, but I think we should highlight just what what needs to happen to keep this team in some kind of shape for 20, 2022, if indeed there is a season in 2022. Um, yeah, because, I just want to quickly give you the stat that I was talking about. Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. <clears throat> when they were tied, going in the seventh inning, Boston had a 667 winning percentage. The Yankees, 621. MLB as a whole, obviously 500. Good. The Blue Jays, out. <laughs> yeah. The Blue Jays, 409. Yeah. That was the difference. Just a couple games. Just yep. a couple games. Um, so I don't, I don't want to go on at great length about this because we've gone on a great length already about things. But essentially, the, we said Semyon and Ray, one-year contracts. Stephen Matt's time is uh, Stephen Matt's is also a pending free agent, um, but there's also some free agents on the market, and the Blue Jays don't have an everyday third baseman. So there's a lot of moving parts potentially um, coming in, and those ones going out. How do you think the front office approaches this offseason? It's an excellent question because 
obviously they're going to want to keep Ray and going to want to keep Semyon, but they also want to extend Barrios, and they want to probably extend Teoscar, and they probably want to extend Bo and Vlad. And you can't do all those things. I mean, I mean, sure, the Dodgers maybe could do all those things, but you can't really give Semyon and Ray and Teoscar and Vlad and Bo gigantic long-term deals because eventually you just don't have enough money. Now, look, I know owners always have enough money, but that's just not how it works. So they're going to really have to prioritize some of those things, and I don't know how they're going to want to lay that out. No, I, I mean, you you have to field a roster that is is hunting for the division again right this is this that you are so far away from the rebuild um thoughts uh that you got to spend some money a lot of money i would say i mean th th this front office is going to spend a whole bunch of money um yep. the question is how much return on investment are they going to get because the following year they're going to start to have trouble finding money to spend because they've gone from a you know, I I don't know what the actual payroll was this year. Do you have that off off the top of your head? It started at 135 billion. It went up a bit to about 140 something, 145 during the season. Right. Presumably, this team is going to hit the 180 to 200 million dollar range while they while they hunt for for the playoffs. But all of Bochet, Alec Manoa, uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., um, uh, uh, Danny Jansen, and Kevin Biggio, all these guys are dirt cheap right now. And they're not going to be dirt cheap when uh, arbitration and contract extension time comes up. So you kind of got to reserve some of that money. I think this is where a lot of the Jose Ramirez talk comes from. I mean, look, there's been a lot of stories out there that the Jays were very close to getting Ramirez at the deadline. It's come from multiple sources. Um, he makes $11, $12 million next year. $16 million the year after that. That's where that kind of talk comes from because you can get a star player who doesn't destroy your future payroll. So, that, look, whether it's Jose Ramirez, whether it's Matt Chapman or Byron Buxton or whoever, they might have to get creative on the trade front to keep the talent level where it was but not destroy their future budget, as you talked about, because those guys are going to start getting really, really expensive. Yeah, and nothing hurts more than watching homegrown players walk away at six years, seven years, six years, seven years, because they can declare free agency and the, and the team doesn't have anything to, but to beg for a hometown discount. Yep. All right, we're going to leave it there. Uh, we're going to come back in a couple of minutes uh, with a couple of minutes. For you guys, it's going to be a whole lot less than that. We're going to come back with your questions and such. We've returned through the magic of podcasting. Uh, yeah, we have the most important segment of any year-end podcast, the uh, Feels Bad Man section of questions, which we, we shall introduce with uh, our usual stare. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? I feel like we don't follow that that we each ask a question rule very often, but we, we quote it anyway. Uh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> first question. The first question comes from Andrew Arnold, and it is only one question for Andrew. For this broken-hearted fan, can I have a hug? Not too COVID safe, but sure, why not? <laughs> yeah, I think I think we can make an exception here. I think vaccinations and the, and the extreme circumstances. Yes, you can have a hug. Absolutely. Come down to the studio and uh, pick up your hug. It will be boxed uh, with love in the front hall for you. Uh, moving to our second question. You know what? You ask me the Kevin Chase question. Should we do this the way today? Do it the yeah. way that do, our do seniors it, Okay, correctly. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, I'm Kevin Chase for Why did the Yankees and Red Sox both choose to win in dramatic comeback fashion? They built up my postseason dreams just to mercilessly crush my spirit with a gift from the football player. They had us in the first half, not going to lie. Um, I think it's more why did the Nationals and, and Rays not hold up their end of the bargain and keep the lead? I think that's also a valid question. Um, the Rays never actually led. 
It was okay. zero zero. Uh, but because baseball, I think, I think we've, I've learned over the years as a, as a Blue Jays fan that, um, the Red Sox and the Yankees have just a little pocket full of magic pixie dust that was never handed out to any of the expansion franchises. It sure seems that way. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know why, but that, that's how, uh, Brian Donnelly at Brian Donnelly eight. As looking back at the roller coaster of expectations over the last two months, would you call this season a success? Also, which Jay brought you the most joy this year? Would I call it a success? I mean, no, right? It's a, it was a very good season for the team, but a success they did not make it. So, like, uh, it was much a, mostly a success. Like, they did a really good job. They won ninety one games, but I can't go back on what I said a week ago <laughs> yeah yeah the irony of that would be too much for me uh, yeah yeah as, as for which jay brought me the most joy vlad definitely vlad i, I thought love vlad. in the middle of the season i thought oh vladimir guerrero jr but then it, it got more difficult george springer shows up and it turns out george springer just dances in the dugout randomly <laughs> I'm like, That's... yeah, if, if he played a full season, I think it might have been Springer. <laughs> and then uh, and then I find out Lourdes Curiel Jr. is coming back to the dugout after hitting a grand slam going, man, it's that's all I got. I got nothing else. Um, that moment was the great. Team. Yeah, it's tough, man. That I'll be honest, the home run jacket as a celebration, uh, which gave everybody a chance to, you know, throw the jacket on, flex a little bit, uh, throw it around, but sort of formalize that. I think that made this whole whole team seem so much fun. And then when when the starters got the jacket for yeah. throwing an absolute, uh, you know, ace Gem. type outing, that was that was fantastic. I, th I think that first time when when Alec Manoa brought it out and stuck it on Robbie Ray, she's <laughs> like, "Oh, here we go." I I, I just you just love gotta love this team. Yeah, yeah. I think that's and why you, it hurts a little bit more. Is yep. it, yeah, they they were. They they weren't out to hurt anybody. <laughs> they just, just hurt baseballs. That's all they were out and, to hurt. And it's just you got the feeling too. This is why it's not a success in that sense. Like you got the feeling that if they made it in, they were going to be tough to play against. Yeah, yeah. But we have a question about that. But so, yep. Fire me the questions uh, from L. Yep. It's it's really two one question. Cynicism warning. And this is, we didn't talk about this in the first part for this reason, because we saw this question. If the Blue Jays couldn't even make the wild card with two MVP candidates, a Cy Young front runner, a closer with a 205 ERA plus, franchise record in home runs, the second highest team war in baseball, and the fifth highest run differential, what hope is there of doing even better next year? That is, aren't they due for some serious regression? And I, I get that cynicism, and I think... Um, absolutely, there are aspects of this team that are, are due for some regression. Um, the one counterpoint I would make as far as players who are already on the roster, two, two counterpoints, Jose Barrios, full season, who apparently is, you know, good. Uh, and, oh, George Springer only played 78 games. Um, so you can pick up a little bit of slack in those two spots. But more to the point, this is the only time in history of this this type of divisional play where four teams in one division have won 91 games. You don't need to be better than this year. You just need to be very good again. And I'm going to take it a step further. The Jays can be worse than this year and have better results. You talked about regression. The biggest way to be do better is for have serious regression in your luck. And in your, you know, in your close game performance, we talked about this. The Jays were randomly bad in late innings, and their bullpen was, you know, really terrible at the beginning. Just win a few more of those games that you should win. Like the Jays' expected win loss record was ninety nine wins. <laughs> now, that stat is a little yeah, suspect, a little but but it makes the point that the Jays can offensively and even pitching wise perform. A little worse, but the team can absolutely win more games. There's hope for you. Uh, Gabriel Byatt at Gabriel Byatt. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
I just mean it's all packaged up nicely there. Uh, I believe Gabriel may be the first time question asker. So if so, welcome to Artificial Turf Wars. How should we feel about the Nationals subbing regulars out in the last plays of the game and whether Riley Adams? Well, I don't, there's two ways to look at this. There's the the that they we wanted the Nationals to give everything they had to really take out the Red Sox. But they're also have to look at their own players too and give some guys a chance to do something. And yeah, so Riley Adams sucked and it didn't help the Blue Jays, but I don't know. It's just, you, you just have to, you can't really count on other teams to do things that you want them to do. You have to, you know, that's yeah. why you, when you have the, when you, when you have your, when you control your own destiny, you got to take advantage of that. And the Jays didn't. Yeah. And I, I do, I, I do not fault Ryan Zimmerman uh, being put out to get a curtain call. Absolutely not. An entire season, an entire career as a, as a national. Right. And I, I, I just, they were a 96 loss team who had had a very crappy year. I don't think that they should bear any burden of responsibility for getting the Blue Jays into the playoff. Personally. Uh, yeah, hit me with one. Turf Ferguson at Turferg. Well, he's changed his name. Uh, so three questions. Okay. Are you comfortable with Espinal at third base if it means you can keep either Ray or Semyon? Uh, I would be comfortable if we keep both. <laughs> yeah, to me, it's not an either, and I'm still not comfortable with Espinal as the third baseman. you got to get a real third baseman. Two, if the Nats win, does this team make it past the race to the ALCS? Maybe, but we've highlighted the problems with the Blue Jays' offense versus the Rays' pitching strategy very recently, I think about, what, 15 minutes ago. Maybe. Yeah, and though. also, they would have had to win against Boston or New York, and then win again against the other one. And then go into Tampa. It would have been really hard. I, I, the Jays have the talent to do it, but you can't assume that they would have. Last one. Who do we come out of game 162 hitting the most? Boston, Washington, New York, or Tampa? The Nats are taking undue flack for Tampa, right? Probably, but I would say, uh, personally, I hate Tampa. Because Tampa, in addition to being the thorn in the Blue Jays' side, even when they were bad, is also to me, symbolic of everything wrong with cheap baseball owners in this league, and they continue to win. And I hate it. <laughs> yep, let's leave it there. I'm not even going to answer. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Ian Scrimger at Scrimisms. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Do you think the home run jacket will be back next year, or was it a 2021 Blue Jays thing? I'll miss it if it's gone. I don't think it's back. No, I don't either. I think there's an evolution... Of yeah, something. Yeah, I think I think there's absolutely from day one some kind of uh, home run celebration, and it's not just a handshake or whatever. But uh, yeah, much like Edwin's parrot, some things come and go. But teams don't like to carry these things from season to season, do they? No. From Brian A at BJ Arsenal eighty four, say we keep this exact team next year. What's the outcome? Does he mean the exact team that we ended the season with? Yes, the current roster as of well, the roster as of game one sixty two. Uh, I think that team wins ninety five games. I think they win hundred. Yeah, because there's nobody who's oh, you're a year older and you're going to start sliding off on this on this roster, except for maybe like what George Springer and Hyunjin Ryu. Yep, and then uh, you get a full healthy year. Nate Pearson, you get. You get yeah, Alec Manoa for 30 starts, maybe right, exactly. not 20. Yeah, on and on it goes. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 yeah. If you could keep everything, if you could keep all the all the marbles, this would be a team that everybody would be. They were all scared of this team in the first place. If you listen to other fan bases. Uh, who asked the last question? You asked Brian's Will's question? question now. Will. I asked at, it. Yeah. At Will double underscore Brom. What? There's a lot of people I have not. I don't recognize these names. Also, I think that's an NHL 94 uh, graphic for his Twitter avatar, which is amazing. Um, what are some areas of improvement that the Jays should address this offseason in order to balance out likely regression from some spots in the rotation and lineup? Well, go ahead. Pretty simple. They need another starter. They need another good reliever. And then they need a third baseman, preferably one who can bat left-handed and take some walks. 
And um, I guess a second baseman. Yeah, well, and replacing Ray and, and Zemian, whether with them or with someone else. It's for their, their needs are really obvious. It's just whether they can do it or not. Uh, and then yeah. the last one from Colleen Evans at Colleen Evans 6. With all this talk about how, how Alex Cora is a big reason for the Red Sox winning, why or how are the White Sox being so successful with Tony La Russa? Because all of this stuff about Alex Cora being responsible for the Red Sox winning is a load of fertilizer. <laughs> and also, <laughs> the White Sox are playing in the AL Central. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's like somebody turned the settings down to easy. <laughs> <laughs> it sure is. Yeah, the White Sox are a good team, but that division is so bad. <laughs> oh, man. Inflated win total central. That's what we call that for the one good team in that division every year, which whoever they might be. Wow, that was a lot of questions. So thank you, everybody. Um, we uh, we look forward to more in the off season, but it was it was a great season of questions. I I really enjoy some of the stuff that you make us uh, pick our brains for, and some of the silly things that you uh, get us to answer as well. Always a good time. Which means yep. that we move on to I believe the final gold star of the of the twenty twenty one season. Are you ready for said gold star? Hit me. I think that's rather brilliant. So I did good, right? I mean, I would have thought you'd get a gold star. You enjoy that. You've earned it. They say you should not go up trying to hit a home run. Who who are they, Josh? People who are wrong. <laughs> uh, yeah. In, in, a, in a moment of extreme honesty and candor, Bo Bichette was asked, now which game was this? Clarify for me. This was the second game of that Yankee series with the one where Garrett Cole gave up five, but then the Jays blew the lead and it was five, five. Very bad. But and so Bo Bichette came up against Clay Holmes, the Yankees best reliever in the eighth or the bottom of the seventh. I can't remember. And he hit a home run. That's amazing. I didn't believe it was bottom of the eighth. He hit a home run. He literally put the game in the blue Jays hands. And then they asked him post game, were you trying to hit home run there? And he said, yes, I'm not going to lie. I was trying to hit a home run. Yeah. And he said, he was like, lucky I got it. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot, more, right. a lot more awkward post-game conversation. Do you admit and it? He if you, it up uh, a second. Yeah. Do you, do you admit it? Yeah. Were you trying to hit a home run there? Oh, yeah. Did you? Uh, no. <laughs> no. But it's funny if you think about it. If you are a good enough hitter, which he is, and you know what the pitcher's going to throw. And he said this, like, I knew what he was going to throw, and I knew the kind of swing I needed to put on it to hit it out of the park. And he did. Uh, I, look, that's just really cool. I love that stuff. It's the Matt Stair school of, of, of baseball. A case of emergency. Um, I believe it was – I was watching an interview with Reggie Jackson one time. He was talking about the um, – the World Series where he hit the three home runs at, and, and got that was, you know, coined as Mr. October. And he went on to tell a, a story that the first plate appearance of the following season, he also hit a home run. So he hit like four home runs and four plate appearances. Uh, and he said, don't don't ever tell a kid that you can go up there looking to hit a home run, but you can go up there looking to <laughs> trying to hit a home run. Yep. Oh, so to you, one gold star, Mr. Bichette. I am sorry that it is not a playoff appearance, but it is all we have in the drawer here. Yep. And with with that, in a in a very very uh, amazing way, I have come to the final final thought for you for the twenty twenty season, twenty twenty one season. I'm gonna do two, just because it's the last one. My final thoughts. The first one's really silly that I ran into Nate Pearson at Pearson Airport, which is very funny. But uh, I felt really bad for him because it was 8.30 in the morning and he's flying to Detroit. It's like, oh, man, your season ended yesterday and you have to be at Pearson at 8.30 to go to Detroit. I don't know, I don't know where he was transferring to from there, but it just, like, just felt bad for him. He was on my plane. <laughs> no charter for you, Mr. Pearson. Yeah. You're not, you're not taking a private flight to Boston or New York. You're... You're yep. taking a regular flight to Detroit to, to, and you're not even flying direct to wherever you're going. But anyway, my actual final thought, like I said, it wasn't a success, but 
It was actually a really fun team to follow. I loved it. I loved the way that they played in September to really get themselves back in the race and the way they pounded the Orioles in that final series. It was just a lot of fun to watch. And it showed how scary they were that the Yankees had the choice. If there was a three-way tie, whether they would play the Yankees, the Blue Jays, or the Red Sox, and they chose Boston. Hmm. And probably not for the ratings. <laughs> no, they were afraid of playing the Blue Jays because the Blue Jays were a scary, fantastic team and wasn't a success, but it was amazing and I loved it. That's my final thought. I do love Blue Jays offensives that, that happen. It seems every like eight to 10 years, they have an offense that rains baseballs upon the opposition endlessly. And even if everything yep. else doesn't work out, it is it is always fun to watch. Yep. Um, I think my final thought is uh, this was was a really it was a crazy season and I think it's been a while since I felt as a fan like it was really crazy enough to pay attention to from start to finish like I didn't I didn't feel like there was two weeks where I could just check out and come back and see what had happened because there was there was something going on with this team and I like that I like having a, a, a team that competes every day a team that has something on the line and I'm really hoping, to be honest, I am hoping that there's a 2022 baseball season that's full length and has the same kind of things in it, um, because this could all go belly up when they attempt to renegotiate the CBA in the coming months. Hey, sorry, I hate to talk over your final thought, but no, no, Semyon addressed this. Yeah, Semyon did I at least talk about this, because he's a player rep. He's on the subcommittee of whatever. And that they're, they're aware that it's like they had, they just missed a whole whack of a season. They don't want to do that again. So yeah, at least, but I, I don't want the I players know, to get I'm, screwed, right? No, right. But at least there's a desire, probably from both sides, to not miss games again. Indeed. Well, that is to say that uh, I have been Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead2010, and you have been Joshua Housem at Joshua Housem. Uh, I would like to extend a big thanks to all of our guests and our patrons for sticking with us for another season of Artificial Turf Wars. And as we enter the off-season, we will talk at you in a couple of weeks. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone It's not warm when she's away Ain't no sunshine when she's gone And she's always gone too long Anytime she goes away Wonder this time where she's gone Wonder if she's gone to stay Ain't no sunshine when she's gone And this house just ain't